Best Diva and your coach Kiana Danielle. Welcome to Diva on the Block, where we take you to the back streets of this whole blockchain, Bitcoin and crypto shenanigans to help you get a better understanding of what really is going on and how you can take advantage of it. Today, I'm super excited to have Eric Finman, one of the youngest Bitcoin millionaires and Time Magazine's 25 Most Influential Teens of 2014. In this episode of Diva on the Block, we'll discuss how Eric started investing in Bitcoin back in 2011 when he was only 12 years old, how he continued to accumulate over 400 Bitcoins, and how you can start investing in Bitcoin using tiny bits of your everyday shopping leftovers. We also talk about the unique life experiences of being the youngest child in the family and how Eric is campaigning in DC to fully legalize Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I had a ton of fun interviewing Eric and I hope you love it. Let's rock the block. Today, I'm super pumped to have Eric Finman, one of the youngest Bitcoin millionaires and Time Magazine's 25 most influential teens of 2014. Welcome, Eric. Hi, thank you very much. What an introduction, very high energy. <laughs> Oh, I try, I try. So, Eric, like your background is fascinating. You're like, you're 20 years old. I'm an old man, yeah. Yeah, like you were born, wait, hold on, 1999? Are you kidding me? 1998, 1998. All right, so like you were born when Backstreet Boys were a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. So you think of me as like an old woman thinking to Backstreet Boys. Not that old, not that old. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. <laughs> All right, so I, I think it must I don't know how you feel about it because you haven't had any other experience other than being one of the youngest Bitcoin millionaires. First of all, how, how does it feel? <laughs> it doesn't feel too bad. I mean, I, I guess, I guess, you know, people go, oh, more money, more problems. No, more, more money, less problems. <laughs> Good. I like that. So, you know, I, I actually, this morning I was tweeting, like, people are treating crypto right now as they were treating money 20 years ago when you were born. So they were like, it was taboo. Nobody had to talk. Nobody could talk about it because it's just, you don't go there. Now they're treating crypto that way. So I'm interested to see in 20 years what's going to happen. But so you started investing in Bitcoin back in 2011. Mm -hmm. You were only 12 then. Mm -hmm. And at that exact year, by the way, one of my friends also told me to buy Bitcoin. And I said, no, it's too much of a risk. Mm -hmm. So of course I I'm kicking myself for that, but as a teenager, how are you able to pull the trigger? And most importantly, where did you get the money? Yeah, so it was my brother. He was uh, a lot older than me, and, and we both kind of found out about Bitcoin together at the same event. It was this kind of uh, big protest in D.C., and I think in the middle of when we were getting tear gassed or something, some guy had a Bitcoin shirt. And then um, me and my brother, we asked, you know, oh, what's that? And, you know, he kind of said, oh, it's going to end Wall Street, bro. And then he ran off. But, you know, we were curious about it. And then, yeah, so um, my brother, yeah, a lot older than me, kind of helped me get into it. And my, my grandmother actually gave me a, a $1,000 for my scholarship fund at that point. Um, so, I don't know, we, we took that. It did not go into my scholarship fund. We took that and put that into Bitcoin. And, and then, yeah, kind of the rest is history. So it wasn't like you went in and you studied it and you, were, you, you just literally randomly came up I mean, we researched it after the guy, after the guy kind of talked about, we spent more time kind of researching it, checking it out. And yeah, we, we you know, we figured it was, it was going to change the world. Okay. So it wasn't like just pure luck. You actually did put some thought into it before putting your scholarship. Because a thousand dollars for a 12 year old, it's, it's, a, it's 
them a lot of money. It's not That's a lot for a 12 year old. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And then I spent every day, you know, working on getting more and more and more and getting more and more and more because, you know, that would have bought maybe Bitcoin was about 10 bucks at the time. That would have bought maybe just a hundred Bitcoins. I spent every day kind of trying to game the system, trying to uh, game it in a, a game, the trading system so I could trade more, do better and all that stuff. And I had long, I started a company that was 15 and I eventually sold that company for Bitcoin and all that stuff. So I got more Bitcoin from that, more Bitcoin from just the initial buy and then tons of Bitcoin from just playing the markets every day, trying to be the best day trader at crypto you could possibly be. Right. So you were offered to get actually either $100,000 or 300 Bitcoins and you chose 300 Bitcoins. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. In other words, in 2016, one of my clients offered to, <laughs> to pay me in Bitcoin and I said, nope, US dollar. And of course, again, I've made so many mistakes, my friend. I know that you're a Bitcoin fan and you said that you day trade at Bitcoin. When, where did you, which exchange did you use for trading Bitcoin at the time? I mean, back in the day, it was Mount Gox was the, was, was the exchange to trade, trade on back in the day. But did you become a victim when it was hacked? Um, no, no, no. I got off that pretty quick. Um, I, I didn't really, like, I just maybe executed some trades and immediately put that on, a, on, on kind of my own self-hosted wallet, if you will. And at the times, there were no Nano Ledger or Cold Wallet, right? Yeah, yeah. You just had, like, the Bitcoin app on your computer or something like that. There was kind of the main Bitcoin wallet app that you could use on your computer. And then, yeah, I think I, Coinbase came out around, you know, a little bit later after that, like, just started. And then I kind of, I did some trades on that early on. And then, yeah, and then I kind of, you know, off-ramped it into kind of what I do now. But it's, but yeah, back in the day, it was kind of trade on Mt. Gox and there's kind of one Bitcoin app, one Bitcoin wallet to use at the time. And so I just used that. Were you scared at all of, uh, I mean, I know you had some success and you dropped out of school to do this full time, right? Yeah. So my school was full, was, was a pretty, was a pretty bad high school and all that stuff. And then, so I said, this really isn't worth my time. These people aren't worth my time. These, you know, teachers aren't worth my time and all that stuff. So I'm just going to drop out and move to San Francisco because this is a total waste of my time. There's actually one other kid in Bitcoin um, at the time. I was a freshman in high school. He was a senior. He ran his own Bitcoin mining company. I think he made like 80 mil, 80 million dollars off of being Bitcoin. So I think he left too pretty soon after me. Like it was, you know, it was just such a, you know, no offense to that high school, I guess, but also with offense. It was like a, a, just a, a low-level high school with, with a lot of low-level people. And, and it was just, it was a very hick town, you know. So wait, so that kind of means that you were not kind of born rich. You were not at a private high school with all the luxuries then. No, well, well, it's complicated. So I like to say my, my family are the Elon Musk version of the Kardashians. So <laughs> yeah, my parents are rich. My brothers are richer and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, I think my oldest brother got into Bitcoin. He's just chilling on a beach somewhere. I think he sold all his Bitcoin and just runs a business off his laptop, travels the world. My middle brother just, he got into Y Combinator, which is a big startup kind of incubator. And then he sold his company to Niantic for like tens of millions of dollars or something like that. Those are the people that do Pokemon Go. So he sold it to Pokemon Go for tens of millions of dollars. And then, and yeah, you know, I, I did well. And then, yeah, my parents, they started off. Uh, they're both Stanford PhDs. They met getting their Stanford PhDs together. They're very sweet. Um, my mother has something, uh, her own kind of telescope that's in the Smithsonian and all that stuff. And then, yeah, they eventually co-founded a business together 
which prevented people from remotely blowing up mines under U.S. Humvees, so kind of saving lives in that way. I actually had a lot of veterans, they, they come and thank my parents. They're like, oh, someone tried to blow up a mine under, under our Humvee, and, and, you know, thanks to you, we, you know, we, we were able to live. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not going to hide that my parents aren't rich. I'm going to say they're actually super rich, and my brothers are richer and all that stuff. So we're the Elon Musk version of the Kardashians. We're all very smart family. And, and you're now being followed around by BBC for documentary and reality TV shows. So you're definitely living up to what you're claiming. Exactly. Not too bad. I got to beat out my brothers. You know, it's the scoreboard, <laughs> right? Yeah, the youngest ones have it. So I, I'm the youngest one. You're the youngest, right? I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest. Yeah, me too. Um, we're by a lot. So I always have to prove something. No matter like how many books I write or mm. how successful I get, still I'm like the baby of the family that nobody takes Aww. me seriously. So. I relate. I relate. I don't I know. I relate to that 100%. I don't know why that's the case, though. I don't know why, but it's, for some <laughs> reason. You're the baby. No they how. remember you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they remember you in a, you know, in a little, you know, in the diapers and everything. That's the problem. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so uh, let's get a little bit more like into Bitcoin. And so when I was writing my book, uh, I, I wanted to compare each and every Mm-hmm. Alt, you know, altcoin and, and the top coins out there. And I was shocked by Bitcoin's shortcomings. I, I actually preferred at the time, I, I wrote it in 2017, actually no, in the 2018, I preferred mm-hmm. a number of other coins to Bitcoin mm-hmm. um, in, in the crypto realm. So in your opinion, and now you're, you're, you're basically your full life, you're living and breathing Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the biggest Bitcoin deficiencies in your opinion? I mean, I think there's four big problems with Bitcoin. I think one, you know, it's, it takes too long to send anything. Like it's very slow. Two, the transaction fees are really high. Three, the people that are trying to solve those problems are just, you know, very cultish, you know, tons of infighting. And then four, um, I'd say that it's been too hard to get into and all that stuff. So, I mean, I launched something recently to, to kind of fix that problem. And I think that's, I think that's a huge problem to fix, plus the other three problems. But that's, that's kind of the big, I don't know, Bitcoin, I still think it's not guaranteed that it's going to be successful forever. Could totally be MySpace, you know, the MySpace of this world and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm doing my best to, to try to make it as easy and, and solve those problems with Bitcoin as much as possible. I am going to get into what you just launched, CoinBits, in one minute. But mm-hmm. before we get there, why... So we have other coins that are already halfway through and resolving mm-hmm. some of the issues that Bitcoin has, like, you know, the, the, the fees and the, the speed. Yeah. So why are we giving Bitcoin a chance and not completely already moving on to Facebook, basically, if, if you're comparing it to, to MySpace? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think just branding, you know, I think literally just marketing. You know, I think Bitcoin was the first and kind of has that has that reputation, you know, it's the face of the cryptocurrency space. So unless somebody is better at marketing another coin, I don't see Bitcoin going well away for a while, you know? So I think that's, I think until like the technology really makes it like unusable for people um, and it could totally get to that point. I think, uh, although I'm very, you know, very pro Bitcoin, very pro cryptocurrency, but yeah, I mean, there, there needs to be a big wave, you know, uh, kind of a big switch. And yeah, I mean, I think someone just needs to be better at marketing because you're right, there are 10 times better technology. There are 10, 10 times better technologies than Bitcoin that already exist today. 
<laughs> totally. So let's talk about CoinBits, this new uh, project that you're working on. And one thing that you and I have in common, besides being the, uh, the youngest child, is mm -hmm. basically aiming to make crypto a reality by getting everyday people really learn about it and use it and invest in it. So CoinBits, if I'm understanding, goes around this by, around, by rounding up people's everyday purchases and putting the tiny bits of this money into Bitcoin investment. Right. Well, I think this is brilliant. And I mean, even if you're not investing in Bitcoin, you should be investing in something like these mm -hmm. tiny investments really make a, a huge difference in, in the long run. Mm -hmm. So how did you come up with this idea? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I grew up in, in Idaho, right? That's where I went to school. And then there's a lot of people that have heard about Bitcoin, but don't know how to get into it and have wanted to get into it, but, but don't know how. And I've, and I've seen that happen with so many other people. You know, uh, like how many billions of dollars of market cap has been wasted or, or not even existed of, of, of Bitcoin? How many billions of billions of dollars has not been invested into Bitcoin purely just because people that had money to get into it didn't know how? So that was kind of the goal of CoinBits was just to make it super simple, super easy to get into Bitcoin. You sign up, connect your payment information, and you're done, you know? So you can, uh, you can uh, just connect your card. And then every time you swipe, it rounds up just a little bit um, and invests in Bitcoin for you. So it's a good way to like, uh, you know, more, it's called dollar cost averaging is, is what this technique is called. And Warren Buffett, you know, says dollar cost averaging is one of the best ways to invest. So yeah, CoinBits is an excellent product. It looks beautiful. It works beautiful. And, and yeah, I mean, it's very practical. You can even set your risk level, 2x, 5x, 10x of how risky you want to get with it. So yeah, I mean, I really like CoinBits, obviously I'm biased, um, but I really wanted to solve a real big problem was that it was too hard to get into. So this is the right app, right? Correct. Okay, so you have here Exchange. Can you tell me a little bit about the backend technology of this? It says Exchange is Coinbase, so that means it's based on Coinbase Exchange. You're investing the money in, directly into Coinbase? Yeah, so Coinbase has this service where they'll hold your coins for you. So just in order to make sure that they're top secure, really secure. So we use Coinbase for, for them just on the back end to, to secure the coins and all that stuff. We have actually a lot of people that, that want, you know, that want us to uh, use their service or other stuff. So, you know, Coinbase is just one of a million options that we could use just to, you know, actually store the, the coins. Um, so the coins are on an online wallet at the moment, basically. Yes, yes, yes. Super secure, though. Super secure. And then, um, and then yeah, the technology, we use Synapse um, and all that stuff. So for things like anti-money laundering and making sure that, uh, that we verify that it, you know, you're you when you use the service, that's Synapse. And then we use one of the best banks in the world, Evolve Bank. Um, there, there's actually very few banks, places where you can just store your cash that, that have to do with cryptocurrency or, or deal with cryptocurrency. Most banks do not. So Evolve Bank is one of the best banks in the world for that. Here we, are, we have it listed here. And so the moment, so how does it work? The moment I go, let's say, okay, you have here the picture of the fries. So it rounds up uh, 25 cents. And does it invest it in Bitcoin immediately? Or does it like have a strategy to buy lower? Or how does it work exactly? So yes, yeah, so let's say you spend $1.75 on French fries. Um, basically, if you use our service, it'll round up 25 cents. So that'll then charge you $2, but 25 cents of that will go 
to investing in Bitcoin. And once a week, we tally up all those transactions. Let's say you spend $1.75 on fries, or you know you might spend you know uh, $4.75 on a hamburger. You know all those transactions, all those Uber Eats, all those you know um, Ubers and and buying things, Amazon purchases, and places where you swipe your card. That all adds up every week. And one day every week, we take all those transactions and put those into Bitcoin for you once a week. So once a week. So, oh, what day of the week is it? Yeah, uh, one day of the week. Usually Monday. Usually Monday. But the thing is, is, it's a good problem to have is now we're doing it kind of, uh, we have two days a week for two groups of users because we have so many users coming through. We're doing a half million in transactions every week flowing through the pipes. So you can very easily, if you're doing it at a certain time every single week, then you can mm -hmm. easily move the markets. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, when we launched CoinBits, we launched it on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange in a really huge way. And you saw as soon as we did that, the price of Bitcoin shot up. And then I did a, uh, a Forbes interview, a really, really big high profiles on the front page of Forbes.com interview. And, you know, I said, it's my goal to resurrect Bitcoin back to 20,000, the price back to 20,000. And after that article, you saw immediately Bitcoin shoot up. Yeah, so we actually had it here. It was, <laughs> it was June 10th. So yeah, you definitely have proven to have the ability mm -hmm. to move Bitcoin. And that's a little bit scary for me. So actually, not, not scary, not that I'm scared of you, but in terms of, so for example, I'm an investor and I'm always constantly looking for uh, a way to invest at lower prices. So if I know that you're always uh, investing your money or your client's money on Monday at, let's say, I don't know, 3 p.m., whatever. That yeah. is the day that I'm obviously not going to, I'm going to stay away from it and wait for a Friday when it goes back down. So it gives me a strategy. But are you planning in the future to invest it, like maybe, I don't know, spread it out to prevent the markets to be so volatile because of your uh, market transactions? Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally an option. I mean, we've already, like I said, we just have so much money going through the pipe. Like, we only launched this, like, you know, six weeks ago and all that stuff. Like, and we already have, we went from zero dollars to, you know, doing a half a million dollars in transactions every week, once a week and all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, we've, we've already been working on doing it Monday and Friday. So for half the users, we process their transactions on Monday and the other half we're doing it Friday just because it's so much money to have to, like, pull through in like one in one day like it, it requires a lot of technical work to to have like literally a half million dollars go through the pipes it's much easier to have a quarter million go through the pipes on two days so that's and it. you're doing it only for bitcoin are you i mean i know this is super new but do you have in your goals to add some other crypto currencies for diversification purposes uh, yeah, yeah, we're interested in doing other cryptocurrencies, but we want to be really careful um, on what cryptocurrencies. We really only want the best and all that stuff. So yeah, we don't want to. I see Coinbase; they're even adding some some cryptocurrencies that I think are not necessary. I don't want to confuse people. In the beginning, I just want to do Bitcoin. Right. And then when so, people know Bitcoin, then we'll expand to other cryptocurrencies. So there's no reason technically why we can't do it tomorrow, but it's really just uh, just just a. This is for the average person, the normal person that just wants to get into it. Easy. Right. And most people just know Bitcoin anyway. If you say even cryptocurrency, they wouldn't know what it is, but at least Bitcoin, they've heard the name. So Bitcoin has become the category king. Exactly. Uh, that, that, that people, it's like Uber, right? So it was like now nobody, nobody calls it a ride share. Everyone calls it Uber. 
even exactly. though even if you're taking a lift, you're calling an Uber because it was the first category king. So that exactly. makes sense. Um, I did want to ask you um, about well, well, of course, there is no doubt that your announcement of uh, Coinbits made a, a massive movement in the market. But another mm-hmm. thing that recently made a massive impact in the industry was Facebook Libra. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. So, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah. So, Facebook Libra, I think is. I mean, I think it's very good for cryptocurrency. But I think it's maybe bad on the long term. I think Facebook Libra is more of a U.S. dollar competitor, um, or like a literally a government level currency competitor. Because yeah, Facebook and the whole crew that they got together to support their coin, you know, they're literally said in their white paper and their document on their website that they want to compete with the Federal Reserve. They want to compete with the U.S. dollar. They literally have the Facebook Reserve for their cryptocurrency. So they want to compete with cryptocurrency. The US dollar. <laughs> Cryptocurrency. So although it's cryptocurrency technology, you know, it's obviously very centralized. So it's very anti the spirit of cryptocurrency. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant idea. I mean, with all the data that Facebook has, this is just, I mean, if they can get the permission from all the countries around the world to exist, because so far, majority of the countries have said that they cannot exist mm-hmm. in there, like they, they, they're not allowed. Whereas, well, Bitcoin is permissionless, which is why we love it. But I, I think I think it's a genius idea. I just don't know how far it can go and whether or not it can actually compete with Bitcoin in the long run. Right now, it's been bringing back attention to cryptocurrency industry. More people are talking about crypto because of Libra. Mm-hmm. Even JP Morgan Coin wasn't able to do that, but Facebook was able to do that. Do you mm-hmm. think at any point, Facebook could compete with crypto with real cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin? In the, I think they're more competitor with the US dollar and the yuan, the Chinese yuan. I feel like that's more, and yeah, I guess Bitcoin is in that game already a little bit, um, or cryptocurrency. The goal is to kind of be the one world decentralized currency. But yeah, I mean, I think they're all competitors the US dollar, the yuan, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Zcash, you know, these are other cryptocurrencies, and Libra and all that stuff. It's all the game on who wants to have the one world currency. Right now, the US dollar is the closest thing we have to that one world currency. But you know, Rome got, Rome was the, you know, the Roman denarii, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Denarius, denarii, I don't know. Um, you know, they, they were the, the one world currency for a while. So yeah, everybody, what's the song? Everybody wants to rule the world or something like that. I'm butchering the tone of that. But yeah, <laughs> no, that's, every, no, that's true. And every great empire has come crashing down at one point. I'm from Iran. The Persian Empire at one point was the Persian Empire. And now it's Iran that is in like basically the, the com- country that everybody's sanctioning. And actually, right. speaking of that, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with mm-hmm. the Middle Eastern problems, but my parents were just telling me that the Iranian government is now mining Bitcoin and they have got mm-hmm. 10,000 Bitcoins so far. So what yeah. are your thoughts about, you know, a regime, a suppressive regime? I'm pro-Iran, you know, maybe not. Yeah, I'm, pro- I'm pro-Iranian people, but the mm-hmm. fact that, of course, Bitcoin is so decentralized that even through the sanctions, mm-hmm. now Iranian people can go and mine Bitcoin. And for Iranian people, that would have been good, but the problem is that now the Iranian government is doing it and they are mining it. So we're, I mean, this is a little bit more of a philosophical question, but Talking about Bitcoin's philosophy and, and, and ideology of banking the underbank, but then having 
these massive oppressive regimes getting into it. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, I think the, you know, I think from a lot of perspectives, you know, the United States or China, you know, looks like a mass oppressive regime. You know, you have you have mass oppressive regimes all across the the world that you know either have their own currency or are using the U.S. dollar um, or even the yuan. You know, so I mean, I think you know, oppressive regimes using money is inherently, you know, welcome to the world. <laughs> you know, I think every U.S. dollar has been used for more oppressive regimes. You know, giving money to you know places in Latin America, places in the Middle East, you know, way more than Bitcoin ever has um, and all that. And yeah, if they didn't use Bitcoin, they'd use something else. So I mean, you know, everybody, you know, every oppressive regime will find some way to transact money. And I guess Bitcoin is the flavor of the month for the oppressive regimes. But for decades, it was the US dollar. That's brilliant response, by the way. Before I switch gears to talk about your personal life a little more, what's next for you? What's next for me? Um, yeah, I mean, right now I'm doing a lot of political stuff in DC to fully legalize Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So um, I'm working on a Bitcoin bill that will be announced this month. Um, I'm doing some other stuff that will be fun, but I can't really talk about. But the bill will be the most, I, uh, the bill is probably like the least interesting thing I'm doing in July. But I have about three or four big things in July that are happening, including the bill. And I'd say that's the least exciting of them. That is amazing. You are one of the most sophisticated high school well, school drops out that I've ever met. I, I really, really wish you the best of luck. And thank mm -hmm. you so much for taking the time to mm -hmm. be with us today. I know you're super busy and mm -hmm. I really hope that your mission goes well in the cryptocurrency realm. Thank you so much. Good luck on all your show and everything that you do. Thank you so much. I'll see you later. See you later.